Gogo City, it's your birthday. We gon' party like it's your birthday. Sip communion wine like it's your birthday. And I can't say the next line cause it's so dirty. What's up? Happy anniversary, White Guy Rappy! Happy anniversary, Soul City! You are nine today! It's amazing, amazing! We have so much to celebrate today, babe. Can you even imagine this nine years ago? No. There's no way. We didn't think we were going to make it past nine days when we started this church, but to be here and to see what God has done, to actually have a confetti line item in our budget every year, <laughs> we just couldn't have imagined that this is what uh, God would do. It's so good to see all of you crammed in here. What's up to the mini balcony back over here? Hey! To the real balcony. How y'all doing in the real balcony? And to people watching online or gathered outside one of our overflow spaces, thank you for being here to celebrate, not us, not our church. We're celebrating God's faithfulness right. today, and not only in our church, but in your life, for you to be able to see God's faithfulness in your life. And for those of you who maybe have been around Soul City for a little while, you know that we have a phrase that we use that kind of sums up when we just cannot explain the story of God. We just say, only God, just only God. That's all we can say is only God could have done all of this and more. And if you're new around here, maybe this is your first Sunday here, uh, it's like this every week. Literally every week is just like this. We want you to come back next week, but if you do, just bring your own confetti next week. Um, but no, we believe that God actually has you here for a purpose as well. This may be your very first Sunday, but we believe God has brought you right here, right now in this moment to catch a vision for what he has been doing in your life, whether you even recognize it or not. And to say yes to God and to step out in a whole new level of faith in your life. We are so glad that you are here. And we have so much to celebrate. Yeah, and as I think about what God has done over the last nine years, I agree with Jared. It is an only God story. There are miracles upon miracles as we have watched God move. And it's almost overwhelming to step back on our ride over here today. We were just praying and thanking God. And we could literally go the rest of our lives thanking God for the last nine years yes. over all of the ways that he has moved. But then I think about just what's happened in the last year. Just in the last year, the ways that God has transformed people's lives, it is stunning to behold. In fact, we created uh, this beautiful thing called the Only God Report. It's our way of telling the miracle stories of how God is moving. And I would encourage you later on today to go and check it out. It's online. It is a beautiful testimony of God's faithfulness in and through this church. But the story of God is moving because of how he's moving in people's lives. Yeah. We, we, we have seen over and over time and again, as we just sang, that God is an above and beyond God. And, you know, we've told this story so many times, but I think it bears repeating. Again, we couldn't have even imagined this. Uh, over 10 years ago, we gathered folks together in our house in Atlanta, in our living room, and to cast this vision for the very first time. And I think we got a picture of it. Um, that's me in the white loafers and sweater vest. I was Always very fashion so forward. ahead of the fashion curve. Yes. It is not even caught up to me yet. Um, but we were able to, in Atlanta, cast a vision. And I want to honor someone who's in that room, Amy, who was there from day one. There's going to be lots of clapping and lots of crying. Just get ready for it. But Amy has been there from day one and moved from Atlanta here to start this church along with several other folks and lots and lots and lots of people that we don't have time to name. But the faithfulness of God on display from a living room in Atlanta to God providing this space next door for us where our church started. And when it started, ooh, it was a mess. It was such a mess. That building was such a mess. And we asked folks to, in faith, step forward and, and say, would you help us put a church here on the corner of Adams Racing in the city that we love so much? And folks gave up their Sundays for months. They would show up here and we would have pizza together and we would worship together. And then we would get to work together. And these faithful folks, uh, they bled and sweat and prayed and believed that God would move in such a way that he would make a church out of a, turn an old warehouse into a house of worship. And their foundation of faith laid the way for us to open doors on November 7th, 2010. 
So November 7th, 2010, we opened doors to this church. And again, we had no idea what God was up to. We had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. All of it seemed impossible at the time. Every step felt like a risk of faith, but every week was evidence of God's faithfulness. And there, there were days, long days and long, sometimes sleepless nights where we would cry out to God and say, God, I don't know if this is going to work. You're our only option. We have no backup plan. You are our only option. And to see what God has done, again, is unbelievable. But I want to just be honest. It's really easy to look at all those old pictures of our church and kind of romanticize those days like, oh, how cool to be there then. And look at all those sweet pictures of all those sweaty people, you know, <laughs> who worked and knocked down walls and pulled down pipes, some pipes that shouldn't have been pulled down as we learned the hard way. You know, like, oh, that, that must have been so great for, for them then. But I, again, I want to be really clear. While we knew we were in the midst of a miracle, uh, that doesn't mean we weren't shaken in our boots. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that while we were moving forward in faith, that we weren't also filled with fear. There's a thousand reasons for why this wouldn't work. And what we could not have seen when we opened those doors so many years ago is that the greatest recipients of this vision for this church would be Jeannie and I and would be our family. We had no idea that we were starting a church that we needed. And again, this is a picture of us after the very first service at Soul City and the very last time I wore a tie at Soul City. <laughs> but we never do this. We try and keep it so cool with our kids. But can we honor these two? Can you guys stand? <laughs> we made an agreement with them to never make it weird at church, but... But the two of you, it has been so unbelievable for us to see that this would be the church where you would find Jesus, where you'd get baptized. We couldn't have even imagined that, you, that our kids, that you would get baptized here at Soul City, that you would start using your gifts and abilities, serving God and serving this city and loving this city through this church. So you would invite your friends and even teachers. Who wants to hang out with their teachers? But you invite your teachers to this church. I, I don't know if we could have even possibly imagined it. The greatest recipients of this vision would be us, would be our family. And so we love you guys, and we're so thankful for you. And again, lots of tears, lots of clapping, lots of tears, lots of clapping. Just kidding. That's how it works today. The, our story, though, isn't the only story. I mean, there are so many stories of folks who have found this church, and, and finding this church have found Jesus, or found home, or found community, or found purpose, have found healing for their lives. And we try to always think, like, how do we tell the story of Soul City Church? How do we properly tell this only God story? And what we thought would be really fun for us today is to let you hear the stories that make up the story of Soul City Church, to hear nine little snapshots of God's faithfulness over these last nine years. So I want to encourage you to not only uh, listen to these stories, but celebrate these stories and to look for your story in the midst of their stories. I moved to the West Loop in 2007, uh, right across the street actually, and a couple years later, I felt a stirring inside of me to find a church and to go back to church. Not for my parents forcing me as a kid, uh, but for me as an adult. And here's the thing, we live in Chicago, where do you go? There's a thousand churches here, right? Within two days of me feeling that feeling, there was a big sign in an old warehouse that said, coming soon, Soul City Church. <laughs> if that's not a sign from God, I don't know what is. It's a literal sign, Justin. Right, literal sign. <laughs> literal sign. So obviously I came here, and just like all of you, I fell in love with this place. Uh, I met Jared after the service, and I mean, we instantly clicked, and he encouraged me to join a small group, something I never thought I would ever do as a kid or as a teenager. Here I am wanting to be in a small group, and I'll tell you, that small group uh, prepared me for uh, lots of ups and lots of downs in life, and Lord knows there were a lot of ups and downs in life. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen this church grow from that old warehouse to this beautiful transformation center that we're sitting in today, and it is beautiful. It's crazy how far we've come. Uh, and I've been in the media for the past 15 years, whether it's been radio or TV or sports, uh, but I've never hidden my faith ever through that profession. 
Uh, I've kind of, because, because of that, I've kind of become Soul City's unofficial hype man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? I, I'll be posting on like Facebook or Instagram and not, I do it not because I want people to know that, oh, I go to church, I'm a good guy. I don't do it for that. I do it because I know there's people that follow that might be looking for a church the way I was looking for a church yeah. nine years ago. That's right. And I want them to know they're welcome to come with me or sit with me, uh, hang out with me. And the, the success rate is 100%. They come here and they love it. They're, they're lifers <laughs> when they come here. Uh, I, I, I found out that's the way I can serve God best and serve this church best is by letting people know about this phenomenal church. Also, bringing my son, my five-and-a-half-year-old son, Tristan. I'm a single father. And to be able to bring him to this church where I prayed for him before he was ever born, yeah, right. that is very, very special to me. Yeah, that's awesome, Justin. And I'm a parent, too. But it was actually my daughter who brought me to Soul City through kids camp. So she went, and every time I went to pick her up, her counselors were the sweetest and so loving. One of her teachers said, you should come to a Sunday service sometime. I had never gone to church growing up, not one single time. So every time she invited me, I said, no thanks, no thank you. <laughs> but this counselor kept inviting me. She never gave up. So one Sunday, I finally went, and I was like, what is happening? How is this church? I was blown away. I started coming and learning all about the love of Jesus. I went up to Jeannie after a service and said, I want to get baptized. And she said, great, we're going to do church at the beach at the end of August. And I said, I can't wait that long. I need to get baptized now. And she's like, okay. So I got baptized in June of 2014, and I joined my very first small group the week after that. I still feel like a new Christian. The first time I led small group was a year ago. I was thinking, what book should I pick to lead small group? How about Romans? I don't really know it. And these moms showed up and they're like, oh my gosh, Romans is my favorite book of the Bible. I'm like a Roman scholar. <laughs> and I felt like, hi, I'm your leader and I don't know anything. <laughs> it was very nerve wracking. But God taught me to be brave. He said, I'm gonna meet you. I'm gonna be with you. Look at these amazing people I placed alongside you. My first year, my first uh, day here was the actual day that they were breaking ground for the new building. I work in design and custom manufacturing, so I saw that as a gift, from, as a sign from God, because I was looking for a church to serve and, and, and be part of. Uh, we were able to, you know, later on we were able to work in a coffee shop, we did the uh, prayer hall, we did artwork and furniture all around the place, we just finished doing the kids the kids' church, and it was a lot of fun to build those little houses and test the slide going yes, down. Yes, the slide. Uh, so um, it was a, it's a, a great way to, for us to, uh, to serve. Uh, my dad is a minister. He's actually here somewhere visiting from Guatemala. <laughs> so my dad was a pastor back in, uh, in, is a pastor back in Guatemala. I knew I wasn't going to be a preacher like him. But to be able to serve and to use my talents um, to be part of this church has been a blessing and awesome. And it's been a blessing for all my team, not just for me. Mm. That's awesome, Alex. And Alex. I love hearing your story. And I love that your dad is here hearing your story today. And what's so fun about Alex and I is that Alex and I actually went to college together. Many, many, no, just a few yeah, short I years did. ago. Yeah, <laughs> I went later, but we were friends somehow. And Alex and I were friends in college, but we had lost touch and hadn't, you know, stayed connected. And the first Sunday he walked in, we saw one another, and I was like, what are you doing here? And he's like, what are you doing here? And you, and you said to me, you said, do you know anything about this church? <laughs> and I said, I know a couple things about this place. And I have absolutely loved watching you use your gifts. I have loved seeing you preach. You preach through your gifts. You preach through the beautiful things that you've made around here. Yeah. That place with that slide, the kids run into that. It's the coolest place in the whole church. And you have used your gifts. And just like your dad, you have preached 
Jesus in the most beautiful, beautiful ways. And it's one of the things that I love most about Soul City is that Soul City is a place where creatives and artists can use their gifts. Oftentimes, creative and artists feel like there's not a place for me in the church. And one of the things that I love most about this church is that creatives and artists have a home here and they can come alive here. And I've seen that in Alex's life. I see that in your life, Tim, in the way that you have come alive as a worship leader here. It is so beautiful to watch God move in your life. Yeah, um, my heart has always been for worship, just being able to express a love of Jesus through music. Uh, My hope is that if people can see me being comfortable worshiping on stage, they can be comfortable anywhere that they are. Um, And that involves a lot of preparation spiritually, um, understanding the songs and knowing them, but also using those songs as a prayer for the church community as a whole. Soul City is made made up of people from so many different backgrounds, and that's the beauty of it. And when we're worshiping and we look around, that's what we see, different genders and different ethnicities. But God's reminding me that all he sees is his children. Mm. Joining the worship team was one of the best decisions of my life. Mm. It was uh, the El Salvador trip that rekindled my faith. uh, And I almost didn't go. (laughs) Before we came to Soul City, I was feeling really stale spiritually and and after we started coming for about a year, they made the announcement about the El Salvador trip. I was like, oh, that's nice that they're doing that. You know, that's great. <laughs> and then they made it again, and I was figuring out reasons why I couldn't be a part of that. I, I'm a dad. I, I have a job. I'm not a missionary. And I was like, after the service, I was like, oh, my God, you should go. This is perfect <laughs> for you. And at the, the next week, they <laughs> announced Oh, and we're going to be building schools. And Tim was building a school at that time. Wow. Yeah, God was like, uh, you work construction. What's your excuse now? (laughs) (laughs) That trip ended up giving me a vision for my life. I had this wonderful experience there. Um, They had a service at the church, and I felt God speaking to me, and he just told me, don't abandon that first love you had for me. Instantly, I just felt motivated and inspired and And now I use my gifts here at the church. My children help at the church. My wife helps at the church in so many ways. And now I'm seeing God's love in in my whole family, including my children. And Ty has a story to share. Well, yeah. So we were talking at Soul City students about how we can include God more in our lives. And I was like, dang, that's cool. So so later that day, I turned on some really calming music. And I just started praying, asking God, how can I include you more in my life? And so I closed my eyes, and it felt like something had just touched me, something more powerful than me. And I had this amazing, changing experience, and I know it was God. Mm. That's awesome, Ty. Good job, buddy. It's been so important for Tim and I to share our faith through our marriage, and to now see our children embracing that is just so powerful. It just means so much to us. I love it. Well, when we started coming to Soul City Church, we saw a lot of young people and a lot of young families. But I have to say, after each gathering, when the lights came up, we only saw one gray head in the room. (laughs) But we got confirmation that this was the place that God wanted us to be. And so we said, God, what do you want us to do? And he says, we want you to work here. Uh, Within a year of that time, we ended up meeting up with other people in our same demographic, and we ended up starting the Boomers Group. As we grow in the Lord, we gain wisdom. We can encourage the younger people by helping them in their life's journey in Christ. I also serve as an elder, and I am basically using my gifts and talents to give back wherever I can. That's awesome. And we were still growing, too. Uh, When it came time to build this new building, uh, we were very committed to that. Uh, I think we probably gave the most money to a church project than we ever did. Uh, in fact, I remember when we were sitting in the room, um, I had some numbers going through my head. They were reasonable. They were practical. And I remember God saying to stretch out on faith. And uh, we ended up doubling that number. Wow. And when Chris, whisper, when Chris whispered that number in my ear, I said yes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
God was encouraging us to continue to trust in him. Yeah, I love Chris and Angie's. I've gotten to know, yeah, we can clap for that. As I've gotten to know the two of you and your whole family, I love that part of your story is that you were both serving and ministering at a church not far from here, but it was your daughters who actually started coming to Soul City and bringing you to Soul City. Yeah, and so then when you guys started coming, I remember we went and grabbed lunch at one point. We grabbed some burgers here in the neighborhood, and, and I remember saying to you guys, guys, we need you. Like, we need more gray hair. You know, like, we need gray heads, all the while denying my own gray hair, right? We, you know, that other group of people with gray hair, right? But, but saying, would you be willing, would you be willing, the two of you, to turn around and to pour into this next generation to be spiritual mothers and fathers and to know that at the same time, God was giving you a vision to rally all the Soul City boomers to form a group that eventually doubled and eventually tripled so that around here at Soul City, when someone says, okay, boomer, it's actually a good thing <laughs> around here because you guys are the backbone of our church and you've mentored folks right. and you've prayed for folks and walked with them through seasons of life. And we are blessed to have you in this church. Mm -hmm. So thank you. And I love that Chris and Angie's faithfulness led the way for more, have led the way for more and more folks to come to this church. People like Joe, my friend, who occasionally dresses like me. Uh, if you were here last week, you got to see that. So Kids gave me approval. Yeah, the kids gave you a nod. All right, good. Uh, absolutely, though. I uh, come from England, and churches for me were, to be honest, somewhat boring. Uh, I came to the U.S. for soccer, and I was pretty much a non-religious atheist. Um, largely due to the fact that my dad had passed away when I was 16. And during that time, I just remember turning my back on God, you know, anything to do with that. And so during the time of soccer, I was running a business for 10 plus years, and I was kind of figuring out what's next. And a friend of mine comes to Soul City, and she would often say to me, why don't you just come to check it out? And as you can imagine, as an atheist, I gave her some unpleasant words that I cannot repeat. Uh, <laughs> But one day I decided to check out the website and I came across the Alpha Course. And the Alpha Course is for people that are wanting to ask spiritual questions in a very safe and encouraging environment. And it's kind of people like me. And when I went there, Alpha is really what kept me coming back. And since then, God has been writing his story ever since. And I have experienced tremendous growth. And even this past year, I've also experienced some grief of someone that I've lost in my life. And I think in the past, I wouldn't have really known how to deal with that pain and grief. And this time around, I uh, truly gave it to God. And I've experienced for the first time peace within the Holy Spirit. Mm. That's awesome. Uh, so for me, I showed up here eight years ago, and uh, I let people laugh when I tell them this. I'm the biggest extrovert in the world, and for a year, I would sit in the back and then go in the lobby of the old building and like be on my phone, hoping someone would like come up miraculously and talk to me and invite me into their friendship with them. And, uh, <laughs> and, and it took about a year, honestly, and I finally was like, I need to take ownership over this. I need to take some initiative. It's not just going to happen, right? And so I stepped into serving, and we were joking, but I mean, I stepped into serving. Like everything that was available, I served. And immediately, God started putting my community around me and my people around me. And I, I'd been woven into this beautiful, talented, creative community of my people. And Joe's a part of that, and I see a bunch of people around this room, and they're a part of that. And um, I couldn't be more thankful. And so, I got used to being the person that showed up for other people in grief and challenges and those things. I, I felt like I was always the rock at that. And I never realized or knew how much I would need my people uh, until this year in March. Uh, my dad got diagnosed with stage four cancer and he's 64 and young and the most capable man you've ever met in your life. He literally built our log home that my parents live in with his bare hands. And uh, so out of nowhere that happened and immediately my people showed up. And um, one of the things that happened right at the beginning is they gave me a card and in that card, they raised like a significant amount of money. And not, it wasn't about the money, it was more about, hey, we see you, we know what you're going through. You're gonna be traveling, you're gonna be doing these things. Take this money, do whatever you need to do with it. 
give it to your dad, use it for your dad, use it for you. We don't care. We just want you to have a safe, easy, whatever's happening over the next seven months. We were able to do some really cool things for my dad over the last seven months uh, with that money. But sadly, he passed away seven weeks ago. And um, my people, without them, I don't know how I would survive. And through them, I very clearly saw God. Yeah. In that tough time, my people showed me the face of God. And I've been very lucky over the last seven years, and God's shown up over and over and over again through my community. That's awesome, man. Thank you. I've also been on the receiving end of God's love expressed through this community. My husband, Jeremiah, found Soul City first almost over eight, eight and a half years ago. Mm -hmm probably a couple months after Soul City opened. I wasn't so sure about this place. It was a very different church experience from what I was used to. A lot of times early on, I sit and ask God, why am I here? But I trusted God was doing this for a reason. So next we said, okay, how are we going to serve? I joined the stewardship team first. Later, I started the financial literacy team Budget boot camp. Budget boot camp. <laughs> I work on the benevolence team now, and I serve on the prayer team as well. And Jeremiah jumped right into the worship team. He was very intentional about wanting to do life with people of faith. But I saw a picture of what that really looked like when Jeremiah first got sick, and then when he later passed away. The church, Soul City Church, was literally the hands and feet of Jesus. When Jeremiah was in the hospital, people would come and visit and provide meals. Whether it was big or small, we felt seen by Soul City Church. Jeannie was in the trenches with us. Yeah, literally, she was. She was not just a pastor, but she was a servant. And she was a friend. Some of my friends now literally come to Soul City because of the love they saw this community express toward me and Canon. They would say, is that your pastor? Because she was like, okay, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? And after all of that, I can see now that God knew what Cannon and I needed. And he said, I'm gonna position them in the best place for them to heal, be loved, and supported. Now I see why God intersected our stories and the story is still being written. That's right. The story is still being written. The story is still being written in your lives and you guys and your dad. His fingerprints are all over this place, all over this place. And as the rest of these stories stand now and, and these people stand, the fingerprints of God are all over their lives. You can see it, can't you? You can hear it in their stories. It's an only God story of his faithfulness being woven into some very high highs and some very low lows. But I know every single one of them would tell you, they would look you in the eyes, God has been faithful. God has been faithful. And so will you help me thank these amazing men and women that shared their stories. be so easy uh, after hearing stories like that 
uh, and after seeing the faithfulness of God and as I talk and try to keep your eyes obscured from the very large box that is entering the stage. It would be so easy to listen to stories like that and to, to look around, honestly, at the movement of God in this church and for us to just kind of go, we finally did it. We finally arrived. We don't have to trust in the faithfulness of God anymore. We can just kind of kick our heels up and, you know, settle into the, the comfortable and the cozy Christian life. But that's not what God calls us to. That's not what God has for us. Because here's the thing about God's faithfulness. Your faith follows God's faithfulness. Your faith follows God's faithfulness. You hear a story of God's faithfulness, and what you are propelled to do is to step out in faith. You see the faithfulness of God, and it calls you to greater faith. And God's faithfulness has always called us to greater faith. You can never out-faith God. You can never get to a point where you're like, I guess I've done enough faith. God always calls us to more. And the foundation that is laid is always a foundation of calling his people to more and more faith. That's how the story of God has gone from the beginning, and that is how the story of God continues. God calls us out to more. He tells us you are ready for more. You're ready for more trust and for more risk. You're ready for more dependence on me. You're ready for more of my love at work in your life to be called out of your life. God God never calls us to settle. He always calls us to more. Mm -hmm. That's the story of God from the very beginning. And it's the story that he is calling to every single one of us. Your life is, is, is wired for more. If you think about it, like even before you get to the God part, think about your life. You've always been ready for more, right? Like it, the, you know this to be true because you didn't crawl here to church today right? You, at some point as a baby, you went, okay, crawling's cool. I'm ready for more. Like, is there more? Oh, there's walking. That's awesome, right? You're, you were ready for more. It's the reason you didn't ride a tricycle here to church today as well, right? Unless that's a new hipster thing I don't know about. Are we bringing, <laughs> we're bringing trikes back, but you know, because at some point you're like, okay, that's cool, but I'm ready for more. I, I'm actually ready for more. It, it, it's, it's the reason why you moved out of your parents' house, right? Or, or you're planning to eventually move out of your parents' house because <laughs> they're ready for, for more for your life and you're ready for more for your life. It's the reason why you go after a promotion at work. There's no other reason that you would go after more responsibility or more pay if you weren't ready for more. It's the reason why some folks here have left their old jobs to start a company because you were ready for more. You get how that works? You're actually wired and ready for more. The only thing is, though, is, is when it comes to God, yeah, we want more, but it's usually that we want more from him. Like Jeannie was just talking about more peace, more love, more joy, more for God. Give me more, give me more, give me more. I can handle it. God, give me more, give me more. But if we were to be really honest, we're maybe secretly afraid inside that, that God actually wants more from you, that he's calling more out of you. And that scares us sometimes, right? But the truth that I've seen in my life and over the story of this church is that God always has more for you than he's asking from you. Remember, it's your faith that follows his faithfulness. He goes first. And yours is just a response to that. You are actually ready for more, more than you may even know. It reminds me of the, this moment right at the end of the life of Jesus, right? Matthew 28. You don't have to grab your Bibles. They're covered in confetti. But... Um, in Matthew 28, Jesus is about to leave earth, so he's about to ascend into heaven. This is a really powerful moment. This is it. This is his final words to his followers, right? So he asks them to come join him up on the mountain. He's going to say his final words to them before he ascends into heaven. And this is what it says in Matthew 28, verse 16. It says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. It's about, he's about to go into heaven. And look what it says in verse 17. When they saw him... They worshiped him, but I want you to pay attention to the next line. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but what does it say? But some doubted still, right? What else do you have to see? 
the, all the miracles, all the teaching of Jesus, all that he had done, his death and resurrection. And yet here at the final moment, some still doubted. They just, it was their own fear or whatever. They couldn't quite believe that Jesus was all of who he actually said he was. And this is what's so powerful, is that Jesus said to them in verse 18, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. God has given me all authority. So now this is what I'm giving to you. Therefore, go. Therefore, go. It's not therefore, settle in. It's not therefore, hold the fort. It's not therefore, just kind of keep things status quo. God's invitation, Jesus' invitation this moment and to you is to go, to step out in faith, go into all the world to make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, everything that you've seen me do. Now tell others about it. Invite them into it. And then he gives this promise that you can build your life on. He says this, no matter how far out you are in faith, this is what Jesus says, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. You cannot step out in faith further than where Jesus' presence is already at. Mm -hmm. Every step of faith you take is onto the foundation of his faithfulness. That is the invitation from him. It is to go. And you can imagine for the disciples, this was hard for them to hear. The reason some of them doubted is because they wanted it to be like it was. Oh, remember, Jesus, you would do like cool stuff, and then we got to be in the picture afterwards with you? Remember all the crowds and all the people? We kind of want it like that. But Jesus says, no, 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 you're ready for more. I'm actually sending you out into more. And about a month and a half after this moment where he ascends into heaven and he says, now it's time for you to go. Do you know what happens? They become the leaders of the very first church. And do you know what that church was? It was a mega church on day one. 5,000 people on day one, right out the gate. And these folks, some of whom worshiped, some of whom doubted, began to see what Jesus saw in them. Because listen, this is just a truth I've learned from my own life. Listen, you always can't see what Jesus sees in you. Mm-hmm. You can't always see what he sees in you. You can't always see when he's inviting you out into more, that he actually believes in you more than you believe in him. That he actually has put his faith in you. That we get to be, as you heard from all those stories, the hands and feet of Jesus. And Jesus is always inviting us out into deeper and greater faith because he has created you for more. When I think about this only God's story and this time last year at our eighth anniversary We stepped out and we said we sense that God is calling us to more. And we rolled out a 2020 vision. And in that 2020 vision, we had these big six dreams that we sensed God had given to us. These visions that we felt he had asked us to step out in faith towards. And I remember we said at our eighth anniversary, we want to be a people that would find ourselves saying, we have never seen anything like this before. And I think we had confetti and balloons and all kinds of celebration. I remember going home that day and I had a full on faith hangover. I was like, oh gosh, now we have to do it. Like now we have to actually live into this faith. And those big six dreams, they're beautiful and they're amazing. And and one of those six things is that we said that we sensed that God was inviting us to start another church, that he was asking us to step out and in faith to plant another church to the west of Soul City. And so this last year, we have been praying and we have been planning and We've been answering all kinds of questions and trying to figure out, okay, what what does this look like and how do we do this and how do we organize ourselves and try to get you know ourselves a, a good strategic path so that we can move forward in faith. And wouldn't you know, along the way, we sense this whisper from God say, that's not exactly what I'm calling you to. In fact, I have more. I have more for you. Your dreams were too small. And as we began to pray and as we began to listen to the Holy Spirit, we sensed that he was calling us to do something more. And so I'm sure you've noticed that throughout the last week, we've been, you know, kind of teasing you with a whole bunch of, what do you think the surprise is? And then strangely, this very large box arrived here on the stage. I know you didn't notice it. Yeah, I did Um, not notice until you just pointed it out, but now I see it. And so I'm curious, I'm curious, 
Do you want to know what the surprise is? Yes. Do you want to know what's in that box? What's in the box? Jared, do you have any guesses of what's in the box? My guess was Patrick, but he's sitting right there, so it's not Pat. <laughs> Unless there's a magic trick I don't know about, Pat. Yeah, that's, that's the only guess I had. That's a good guess, but that's not what's in the box. Friends, God has not called us to launch another church. Instead, we are launching two churches! That's right. We're having twins! Not GD9, not GD9, not GD9. Let's be really clear. We are not having twins. We are. He's a miracle worker, but. We are not having that twins. That is not happening. But our church actually is. As Jeannie mentioned, our, our vision was to launch another church this next year by our 10th anniversary. And as we began doing all the meetings and planning, strategizing for that, God interrupted our plans and said, like she said, they're too small. And so God said, we gave us a vision for not just launching one church over this next year, but two churches over the next two years. And so as Jeannie mentioned, that we're not only are we going to the west, to the far west side of Chicago, to West Austin, to Oak Park, to River Forest, to Forest Park, that whole area. Where's the west side at? Can anyone represent for the west side? God said, that's awesome. Yes, we're going to continue in that. But then God gave us a greater vision. And so you want to know where else Soul City is heading in the next two years? We're going to the north side! Lakeview, Lincoln Park, Roscoe Village, Northside, where are you at? We are so excited and so freaked out. We have so much to figure out, but we thought if God led us this far, then why wouldn't we just keep paying attention for where he's leading us That's right. next? And what's so crazy in the process is that God brought us back to something he gave us over 10 years ago. You know, we've been doing a lot of reminiscing this week and going through old pictures and through old files. And we came across this picture from uh, the end of October 2009. Can you remember where you were at the end of October 2009? Uh, we were here in Chicago visiting and we're at the Wit Hotel right downtown. Uh, please notice the white loafers and indoor scarf that I'm wearing. <laughs> Again, fashion forward, fashion forward. But uh, this is what's so crazy. We, this is the first time in the city of Chicago that we ever cast the vision for Soul City Church. There's about 100 folks that gathered in that hotel ballroom. Do you know what really blows me away, what I've been crying about all week? Is that there are folks sitting in that picture. In fact, you, you can even see it. Can we put it back up and keep it up for just a second? Um, right next to Jeannie is Fabi, who's leading worship here, who's on our staff, has been with our church from day one. She had no idea. How could she possibly know? She just came to hear about this vision for this church. And lots of folks in that room that are a part. Kelly, our executive pastor, was in that room that night. And we just could not see God's faithfulness. But at that presentation that we gave 10 years ago at the Wit Hotel, we put a slide up with the vision God had given us for this church. And it was so much easier to talk about when we didn't actually have to do it back in those days before it existed. But I found this slide, and I wanted to put it up for you today to see the original vision that God had given our church. This is how we cast the vision of Soul City Church from the beginning, that we would be one church in multiple locations. Before we were even living in Chicago, we knew that God was going to lead us to different neighborhoods in this city. And this is what's so crazy to me. When we put this little slide up at our first presentation, when we did that 10 years ago, we didn't have this West Loop location yet. We, we, just that week, but right before we had that event, an old friend of ours, Dave Van Dixorn, who was here this morning, Dave found us and said, listen, listen, guys, I have a friend who's got a warehouse in the West Loop, and it's a disaster zone. It's a mess. Maybe you could start your church in it. So that's just, <laughs> he had more vision than us. But this didn't exist. We weren't a West Loop church yet. All of that was in the vision that God originally gave us. And so what we realized over this last year was that we want to be faithful to what God initially gave us. And to step out in faith for us as a church means that we're launching not just one church by our 10th anniversary, but two churches by our 11th anniversary. And I know that when we say that, there's lots of folks in here who are like, that's awesome, I'm excited, more confetti, but I need some details. <laughs> like when? Well, I just told you when, over the next two years. That's all we know right now. Where? Well, I told you, to the west and to the north. That's as much as we know right now. <laughs> Who? This is, I do know this one. 
you. That's who. We're not hiring this one out. We're going to do this together. And I know that for some folks, when we say that, there may be some fear that rises up, like, how are we going to do this? And oh my gosh, I like it how it is. I like Soul City how it is. I don't want to lose how it is. That's fair and that's valid. You know, you love coming here and you love sitting in the same seat every week. We had to mess it up for you a little bit this morning, right? And you go, is, is it going to change this church? And our belief is it, it will. There's no doubt about it. But our prayer is that it will change this church for the better. That by having multiple unique expressions in each of these neighborhoods and areas of the city, that all of our churches will get better by learning from each other. But even beyond all of that, the reason we're doing it is because this is the message that Jesus gave us. This is the invitation he gave us to step out in faith and to actually go, to make more room for more people to find and follow Jesus. You love this city. I love this city and the areas that surround the city. And you know how much the city desperately needs to hear about and experience the transforming love of Jesus. And so why wouldn't we want to be a part of that? To do whatever we can do to step out in faith. Because here's the crazy thing. is We've been reminiscing all week and looking ahead to the future at the same time. Here's what we found. That by looking back at God's faithfulness, looking back at all that God's done in the last nine years, you know what it allows you to do? It actually allows you to look forward in faith. When you stop for a second, in your life, not just for this church, in your life, you look back on God's faithfulness to you, it allows you, it stirs something up in you, it wells something up in you to be able to look forward in faith and get, well, God, if you've done it before, I believe you'll do it again, even more than I could have prayed or hoped for or imagined. You can look forward in faith. You can pray forward in faith. You can move forward in faith because of God's faithfulness to you. And you can see the only God story that has been written in and through this church. But what we most want you to pay attention to is the only God story that's being written in your life. God is writing a beautiful story of faith in you. I believe that's the reason that you're here today. I believe you're here today to be reminded that God is at work in your life in your story, in your friendships, in your family, in the place where you work, in the place where you live. God is at work in your story because God has been moving all throughout time. He's not just moving in this church. He's moving in you, working in your life, touching your life, healing your heart, and turning it towards his light. And some of you need to be reminded today that God is faithful. Yes. God is faithful. And I just want you to look inside of your own life, in your own story. You have a story to tell of God's faithfulness. Some of you need to be reminded today that God is still a waymaker. Yeah. He is still a waymaker. He has not stopped with you. That God is a miracle worker. Some of you are holding out and you are yes. holding on for a miracle today. And I just yes. want to remind you, he is still a miracle worker. Yes. Some of you need to be reminded that he's a promise keeper. That's right. You have been holding out and holding on to his promises for so long. And I just want to say to you today, he is a promise keeper. He will do what he said he will do. Some of you need to be reminded that he is the light in the darkness. Yes. Your life feels so dark and it feels so heavy. And I just want to say to you today, he is alive and his light is at work. And not only that, he has called you to be a beacon of his light. Yes. You are not just supposed to pull from the light of Jesus. You are supposed to be called to be a light of Jesus. That's right. And so we are trusting in the hope and the faithfulness of our God who is a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper, and it is the light in the darkness. And we believe and trust that he is calling us out into greater faith, into greater days than we have ever seen before. And so what we want to do is pray together as a church, and we want to pray geographically. We're going to use our bodies to pray geographically. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Everyone stand right now. And we're going to start by praying to the west. Then we're going to pray to the north. Then we're going to turn back here and pray towards what God has done here in this location. So the west, just so you know, is that way. All right. So follow my actual body, not the screen there. There you go. 
that way. So turn and face that way towards our old building where this church started to the west. Maybe you live on the west side or the far west side or you have friends or family that are to the west. So what we're going to ask you to do is maybe raise a hand, maybe kind of direct your heart towards that area. We're going to pray and then I'm going to ask you to turn 90 degrees to the right in a second and then back again to the center of the stage. Let's pray together right now. God, we thank you that you know all four corners, God, that there's nothing hidden from you, that there's not a person, God, on this world that you don't love, that you haven't extended your offer of transforming love to. And so, God, we thank you for the west side of Chicago, for the far west side of Chicago, for all the cities and neighborhoods, God, that exist there. God, we bless you for every church that has been holding it down in faith in those areas. And God, we don't come to compete. We come to join the work that they are doing. God, we pray for every family that lives in that area, every person, God, every relationship represented, God, that they would feel even right now a ripple effect of your love right now, that they would feel and sense, God, that there is something coming. And so now let's turn to the north, so just 90 degrees to the right, to the, towards the big screen here. We're going to pray, God, we thank you for this city of Chicago. God, we thank you for every single person, all, every one of our neighbors that we know and have not yet met. God, for every person in our church, the significant number of people in our church who live on the north side. God, we pray, we pray, we pray that you would do something we've never seen before to the north, God. We pray that this church would be changed because of that church, God. We pray that this city would be changed, not because of a building, not because of lights, not because of a sermon, but by your spirit, God. Not our might, not our power, not our plans and strategies, God, but by your spirit and the people of God inhabited with your spirit. God, we pray for a mighty movement of yours to the north. And so now we're going to ask you to turn and face the center stage here, and we're going to thank God for his faithfulness here in the West Loop. Let's all pray together. God, we thank you. We thank you for what you had in mind far before we could see it. We thank you as we stood in front of people 10 years ago and talked about this vision of this church. You already had it in mind, God. You knew it all. And you were inviting us to join you in this future faith. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for every life touched, every heart changed, every person that's gotten in the game, every marriage that's been restored, every person who's found hope and healing for their life, every addiction that's been broken in this place. God, we thank you for the front lines of our prayer hall, God, where you are meeting with people in powerful, spiritual, tangible ways every week in our church. God, we thank you that this church exists far outside these walls. We thank you, God, that this church is actually far better seven days a week than just one. So God, we thank you and we bless you. You are our way maker, our miracle worker, and so we honor you and we love you because it's always only been all about you. It's in your name that we pray and sing. Amen.